Hi, and welcome to another episode of Thursday at the Beach. And this time it actually is Thursday, and I am actually at the beach, uh, sitting out in my car recording because you can't hear for all the morning noises you normally hear at the beach and the roaring of the ocean and all that good stuff. So, thank you for joining, and I hope you will find this a blessing. Um, I have been reading, oftentimes, uh, Psalm 71. It's one of my one of my life passages, I suppose. I want to read a very short portion and, and give some reflection here. Um, and I'll probably let this influence the next few podcasts. So um, here goes. So in Psalm 71, it starts verse 17. Oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wonderful, de- wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hair, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation and your power to those to come. And uh, just passing on a legacy and uh, leaving something behind that will help others grow is a pretty pretty powerful theme. And so what I want to do is share some things that I have, I think that I have learned that may help uh, you in your walk with Jesus. Uh, lest you think that I'm being kind of arrogant here, so who do you think you are to tell me? Um, I don't think of it that way. I have a, um, an old friend and a mentor who once told me when it comes to teaching others, uh, helping others grow, he said, you're kind of just pointing them in the right direction. He said, it's like one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. Uh, so I will just tell you where I have found bread that may make your journey uh, more understandable. I don't know that you can actually speed spiritual growth up. You can probably slow it down, but I don't know if you can speed it up. But I can kind of point you in a direction that may help you with some detours. Or if you're in the middle of one of those faith crises that you often experience, hopefully you do experience. Those are actually good. Uh, this will help you a little bit. So let me tell you some things. And uh, like I said, this will be over several podcasts. Uh, they're not going to be in any particular order except for this one. Uh, the single most important thing I have learned in my walk with Jesus that has strengthened and helped and done the most to help me is to actually believe him. You may say that you might think, well, that's crazy. Of course you believe him. I said, no, no, that's not what I mean. You actually have to come to believe that he loves you, that he does not look at you with disdain, frustration, uh, uh, contempt, uh, oh my gosh, I got to put up with him one more day, that he actually has great and tremendous and incomprehensible affection for us, for you personally. Um, that is the single most helpful thing. It helps at overcoming temptations or an understanding of temptation, understanding trials and struggles, uh, understanding disappointments, uh, tragedies, when you come to grasp and understand, uh, and I think it's in First John, where First John it says, uh, we have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. And there's a point which you know about it, but as you live it out, you get to know it. You get to know that he really loves you. And seriously, that's the single most important thing. Uh, it's not uncommon to start out that way in your walk with Christ, only to get sidetracked by uh, either very well-meaning people or ill-intended people or satanic setups. 
you gradually become a Pharisee. We'll talk about that on another podcast. But you begin to think you need to perform or do certain things to win God's approval or to have God's acceptance or even to bargain with. You know, I'm going to live a righteous life so God won't hurt me. So he'll make all my things work out. He'll save me from trouble. Uh, you hear it sometimes as, you know, I just want to live, and a, and a friend of mine brought this up recently, I just want to live in the perfect will of God, which is basically what you mean is, I don't want to have a problem-filled life, so I need to do the things so God won't hurt me. Love doesn't do that. I've often heard people say, well, you know, um, you got to stay humble. You know, I'm just a worth, worthless, lowly sinner. I am a sinner, that's for sure. Um, and I have no credit or claim on God other than his grace and mercy that's offered to me. But that's, but that's not all that I am. That's not the sum total of who I am. Um, I have been made a saint. That was a gift. Uh, what father wants their children to walk around hating themselves? Think about that for a second. What parent wants their children to walk around hating themselves? And that's just not there, you know, um, the whole Sermon on the Mount is is a revelation that God is a Father. Uh, so, you know, just you have to think in those terms. So that's the single most important thing I've learned. Uh, it affects shame because all of us have a, kind of a sense of shame that we're not, shame not guilt so much. as Shame is that uh, sense that um, I don't have what it takes. It's not that I do bad things. I'm bad. Uh, that's shame. And Jesus' love, grasping that, takes that shame away. So when you read uh, those passages where it said, God so loved the world, and substitute your name in there, um, it's just, uh, that's it. That's the way it goes. So I hope you find that helpful. Now the question becomes, well, how do you get there? How do you get to that point? Um, uh, And... uh, you know, there's no magic formula. I think you begin by just accepting it. You begin to ask God, well, you know, here's some things that did help me. I decided that he really loved me, and I, I, and I cling to that. And I would ask him, show me, reveal yourself to me. Make clear to me what you're really like. Show me your affection. Show me your love. Let me grasp what it means to be loved by you. When you say you love me, Jesus, what does that mean? What does that look like? And accept that when he begins to make that present to you, life doesn't get easier. Sometimes it gets harder. Uh, Sometimes it does get easier. Um, But it begins with the determination that of all the prizes and of all the things I seek, uh, he is the most precious. That friendship with him, that knowledge of him, that experience of living with him. Um. And you just follow those nudges. Uh, you, you have to let go of opinions and views that keep you from grasping that. Uh, I've heard some very well-meaning preachers and stuff say, you know, who basically spew out shame and guilt and fire and brimstone. And they talk about walking with Christ as if it's a, incredibly fragile, that at any moment you could do the one thing that will destroy your relationship with him and go down years of misery and... Um, I don't think, now this is going to sound kind of contrary, and I hope I don't offend anyone, but I don't think our relationship with God is that fragile. I mean, there's a lot that pulls on us. I'm not saying that. Uh, The old world, flesh, and the devil, I am very aware of. But I'm thinking from God's end of it, our relationship is not that fragile. 
what Jesus did on the cross and in the resurrection and ascension is secure. His, he did not do that to love us. He did not do that because he needed to do that in order to love us. Let's put it that way. He already loved us. He needed to go to the cross and do that so we would know his love for us. We needed to cross, not him. And that's a little contrary to what a lot of people think, but we needed to cross. And when you realize he came because he wanted you, you can't disappoint him when he knows everything about you. And when he invited those disciples to follow him, he knew everything about him, about them, everything. And yet John, uh, before the crucifixion can write, he loved his own, he loved them to the end. They felt and experienced being loved by Jesus. And his love is not a warm fuzzy, although sometimes it is. It is an overwhelming, compelling uh, giving of himself for us. So, number one um, in your journey, uh, come to grips with the fact that Jesus genuinely does love you. That was that can be the that's the anchor to spiritual growth and maturity, is living in that reality. Um, so anyway, let me leave you with that. And if you have thoughts or questions, please contact me. And concerning contacting me, uh, I do have a Facebook page, not surprisingly called Thursday at the Beach. And I would welcome you to please follow that page. Uh, I currently do not have a separate email for Thursday at the Beach, which I will have in a little while. But for now, you can contact me via email at tr guitar1956 at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you and find out if this is helping you on your journey or uh, maybe listen to some of your questions. I may not have an answer, but I, as one beggar, I can show you where I found bread. How about that? So thank you for listening to this Thursday at the Beach from the Beach. And there's going to be a couple more of these, I think, uh, shortly. So thank you for listening. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Thursday at the Beach uh, podcast. And again, I am coming to you from the beach, which is rare and only Thursday. So hope you all are doing well. And I am hoping these podcasts are helpful in your journey. And I look forward to hearing from some of you. Uh, this is going to be a continuation today or this of uh, Psalm 71 that, that I read a couple of podcasts back about... Um, Passing on to the next generation things I have learned. And, and uh, I hope this is helpful to you. One of the things I wanted to share today and, uh, regards spirituality and, and belonging to Christ. Uh, you hear a lot of people in the media and stuff talk about someone being spiritual. I know one of my favorite guitar players is Carlos Santana. And they often refer to him as being very spiritual. Um, and it's interesting. I'm not always sure. I guess what they mean by that is they're, they talk about mystical things or acknowledge that there's a higher power or something. Um, and, uh, you know, um, you talk about that. Um, you have spiritual advisors. You hear about stuff like that. And, well, um, that's really not spiritual. Um so what does it mean to be spiritual from, this, from the standpoint of, uh, of what Jesus says about it? 
Well, um, we're all spiritual. We all have a spirit. Uh, our spirits, uh, we come into this world uh, alive. We come into this world as spiritual beings. Uh, the flesh is not bad. It's a, it's a total package. And we'll talk about that later. But you can't separate spirit and, and flesh and all that. It's all mixed in. Um, to be able to acknowledge a higher power or, or to be sublime is not necessarily spiritual. This is what Jesus said. It means to be spiritual. Um, he said that as many as received him, to get them he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. And he also said to see or to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again or uh, can also be translated born from above. Uh, that's in John chapter 3, and he's in a conversation with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, well, how does that work? Do you go back in your womb and start over? And Jesus says, no. He said, that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. And um, Nicodemus says, well, how's that? That, doesn't make, that doesn't make sense to me. And Jesus said, well, the wind blows where it will. And you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. This is So is everybody born of the spirit. So... What Jesus is getting at, at least I think what he's getting at, um, is that it's an act of God, um, that you are born of the Spirit when the Spirit of God shows you your need. You have a spirit. It's just cut off from God. And the Spirit of God shows you your need. The old term for that is conviction. You're aware that something's wrong, that there's some part of you missing that's not there. Um. And that you need that new, you need that thing, whatever it is. And again, we call that conviction. You realize there's a God, and and I'm not, at, I'm at odds with Him. There's something not right, and we call that sin. It's it's a it, sin is a just a bent towards doing things our way. Uh, the national anthem of sin is uh, the old Frank Sinatra song, "I Did It My Way." That is about as satanic or hedonistic a song as you ever want to hear. That's that's the heart of sin. I, I don't care what happens. I did it my way. Uh, that was the whole lie in the garden. You'll know good. You'll know the difference between good and evil. Satan told Eve, and uh, you'll be able to decide for yourself what's good and evil, and you'll be like God. And that's the lie. And so, to be spiritual is to realize that is a lie, and that's, that something has to be done about it. And it's also to realize that the only cure provided, the only solution, is provided by God Himself in Jesus. Uh, Paul put it this way, there's no other name under heaven or earth whereby people can be restored and reconciled with God. And there's only one mediator, and that's Jesus himself. And so by placing your faith in the fact that he died for you, that somehow God put your sin on him and he removed it, that he rose again, that he came back to life and started something new, that life begins over, uh, that you have a chance to start over in his life, reconciled and restored to God. You know, that's, you know, that's what get, makes you spiritual. Um, now, you may have sincerely believe in other religions or other spiritualities, uh, but you are not spiritually alive unless you first come to Jesus. And it's only in Jesus that you find spiritual life or life at all. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so that's where you begin. There's one God and only one way to him, and that's through Jesus. And that begins by saying, yes, you know, I'm, there is something wrong with me. And I really do believe that on the cross, Jesus 
took my sin and reconciled me to God. When you think about the story of the, the two thieves that were crucified with Jesus, uh, one of them says, uh, you know, he, he curses them. They started out by kind of cursing Jesus, saying, you know, you're here, but, you know. And then finally one of them goes, you know, you've done nothing wrong. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And you might say, well, how, what does that have to do with spirituality? What did that man do? He believed Jesus was who he said he was. And he put his faith and his confidence in the person of Jesus. And Jesus said, that's all I'm asking for. There on the cross, as that man was dying, that man was born anew. So, I would be glad to help you on that journey. Um, and if I can help, I'll be glad. I'll just I'll answer any questions. But that's where you have to begin. So anyway, that kind of came to mind this morning because I hear that quite a lot. And I don't decry people who are in that situation. Uh, one of the expressions you hear among church folks is referring to people as unchurched. I never will ever use that term to describe someone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus. Uh, they use it to mean you're not in the institution. I, you don't ever have to be in, a, in quote, an organized religious setting. Uh, you're not unchurched. You're just cut off from God. And you will become the church. You'll become his. The church is simply God's people. It's the assembly of God's people. It is becoming part of God's family. And he will solve that problem. You will be churched the day you say yes to Jesus. And uh, you will be welcomed as a son or a daughter. So anyway, that's all I got for right now. I hope you find that useful and helpful. And uh, if so, um, contact me via Facebook, Thursday at the Beach on Facebook. And uh, you can also reach me by email. I, I still don't have one just for the, the Thursday at the Beach, but you can reach me at my personal email at trguitar1956 at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. And I hope these uh, 